So we are starting a new series this morning titled, Why We Do What We Do. And so, again, this is, it's not a mystery, so it should be a fairly obvious title, right, that we are going to be spending the next five weeks looking at the vision and mission of our church, as well as our core values, uh, and just explaining again why we, why we do what we do, right? Why do we hold church on a Sunday morning? Why do we have small groups? Why do we, uh, you know, serve through all of our age-specific programming and, and ministries, uh, just and on and on. And I hope that through these next few weeks that, one, it will maybe open your eyes to, to why we have what we have and why we do, and maybe even show you why we don't do some of the things that we don't do. Because we say no to as many things as a church as we say yes to. And there are, again, things that we've, we've committed to do as a church and as a congregation in our strategy for how we extend God's kingdom and, and help people find Christ. Um, and again, we have to come back to that question and ask in everything that we're presented with, because again, our church is presented with lots of opportunities, right, for good things. Hey, but yet we have to constantly be asking the question, is this going to help us move forward in our vision? Right? Is, it, is this what God is calling our church and our congregation to do, or is it something that he's calling somebody else to do? Right? And, and so many times, again, we have to weigh that, that option. And again, me as your pastor and our staff, I think probably weigh that question more than a lot of you guys do. But, um, but we hope to, to kind of, um, in this series, to, to look under the hood a little bit, right? And to, to, to look behind the scenes a little more on, on how we make those decisions, and so we're going to start this morning just with the vision and mission of Oregon Trail. Okay? And the vision and mission of our church, of our congregation, is join the journey. Now, my hope is that if you've been worshiping with us, you know, more than a few weeks, that this is not news to you. Okay? I hope that you realize that, oh yeah, I've seen that phrase. Right? I, I've heard pastor talk about it. I've heard other people talk about it. I've seen it on the sign. I see it on the bulletin. I see it uh, around. And, and that, that this is a phrase that you have heard before. And again, this is our vision statement as far as where we want to go. Okay? But this is also our mission statement right? of saying this is what we want to accomplish. Right? And, and so not only where we want to go in our vision, but our mission of what we're going to accomplish is we believe right, that Scripture describes a journey of faith. Right? That how we join that journey is by receiving Christ as our Savior. Okay? And that is where our faith journey starts. Now, now, that's really not necessarily the really start of the journey. The start of the journey is the Holy Spirit pursuing you before you even know him. Right, of God loving you before you maybe even acknowledge his existence, because that is true. God pursues us first before we ever pursue him. But then we, again, as we can, can find out and learn right, that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, he was 100% divine as well as 100% human. He was sent to this earth to live a sinless life. And then died on a cross as our sacrificial lamb in our place. And through his death and, he, and three days later, his resurrection, right, he conquered sin and death and provided a way for us to be saved and a way to rekindle our relationship with the Father. And we, that's how we join the journey of faith is we re, then accept that gift of grace and mercy and invite him in our life and confess our sins 
right, and be cleansed of that so that we can now move in a new direction. Right? And, and now that's when we start this spiritual journey, right, in receiving Christ as our Savior. And then we start this new journey as we now learn and grow and, and be transformed in our life and our heart and our mind and, and see the world in a way maybe we've never seen the world before. And, and we commit to growing in our faith. Right? And this journey, again, moves us closer and closer to Christ every day. And that journey does not end until we are face-to-face with Jesus in heaven. And that is where this earthly spiritual journey ends and our heavenly journey begins. Which means if, if you, again, are, are, are here this morning and have never received Christ as your Savior, uh, my hope is that you will join the journey today. If you've received Christ as your Savior, then you're on the journey. But the, the question is, am I moving forward in that journey? Am I going to be more like Christ tomorrow than I am today? Am I still moving forward in my faith? Or am I just camping in my faith? Now, we have different seasons in our lives and times where we grow and times where we have to, to, to pause. And, and, but yet, if we are still on earth, if we're still breathing, then God expects us to continue to journey forward. We are, are not done with that journey. Right? Even if you have been walking with Christ for decades, your journey is not done because you're still here. Right? And not only do we see that, that vision, right, but also that mission of growing in our faith every day. And you know, this, this vision of joining the journey is based on a few different core passages within our scriptures. And so I want to start with uh, the, the job description that Jesus gave to the apostles in the first century church, right, and therefore is still the job description of the church today in 2020. Right? That has not changed. Right? And we find that um, which in this passage known as the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. This is Jesus speaking here where he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So guess what? Christ has not returned again. Again, Scripture tells us that Jesus will return a second time to earth. Hey, now, that is the end of the age that Jesus describes here, right? He's saying, I will be with you until I am with you again in this world. I will come again. And again, Scripture tells us that. But yet, he has not come. He has not returned. Now, again, we look outside of our window sometimes, especially this year, and wonder, is he here yet? <laughs> right? But he, he ha- he's not, because we will all know when he is. Right? So he's not. So that, that, that age has not ended, which means that this promise is still true. Right? That Jesus has not left us. He is still with us. But it also means that, that this mission is still active. Right? Because this, again, is not over till the end of the age, and that age has not come. And so Jesus, again, gives us this, um, this mission as, as his church. Right, to go and make disciples of all nations. 
Now, the last time I checked, our entire world are not, is not Christian, right? So again, we have not accomplished our mission yet. Right? And, and, and Jesus needs us to continue to move forward in that mission, not just as Oregon Trail, but just as the big C church, which is why we work together with other churches in our community and in our state and our nation and missionaries around the world to, to go into all nations. Right? And we actively support on all of those levels, right? whether it be financially, which we do, prayerfully, which we do, right? and um, relationally with, with missionaries and Church of God ministries and, and different churches in our area, right? which we do. But this mission is so important. And I think when, again, when we look out the window and, and wonder, is, is Jesus coming today, right? We see how important this mission is. Because there is still time, right, for people to find God. And so we as the church need to take this mission seriously. Now, as we look at this this great commission that Jesus gives. I've underlined in your outline, you see that Jesus describes four different demographics of people in the Great Commission. Okay, he describes the nations, right, which is the entire world, right? Everybody, all of his creation. And then we see that, that if, if we are making any progress in this mission, right, we go to all nations, and then they will move from a nation's person to a new disciple because they will find Jesus through our efforts as the church, we hope. And then these new disciples are supposed to grow and, 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 and develop in their, in their faith until they become a, a solid, growing, mature disciple. And then from there, we don't stop there, right? Our journey's not done there. Then we continue to move on from just being a disciple to being a teacher, where we are able to teach. But as a teacher, right, we need somebody to, to, to attend. We need somebody to, to teach our knowledge, too, of who God is. And then we start over with nations, right? And, and Jesus is describing this ongoing cycle of people if in our churches, we hope, right? As we continue to grow ourselves and our faith, as well as move, help other people find Jesus and move forward in their journey. So the first thing I want to point out about the Great Commission this morning is that we are supposed to journey forward in our faith, right? We're not supposed to stay apart from God as a nation's person. Right? That God's desire for us is to find him and, and receive him as our savior and become a new disciple, a follower of Jesus. But Jesus expects us then to continue to grow in our faith and not stay a baby Christian, but to move from a new disciple and to grow and mature into a disciple of Christ. And then continue to move forward in our faith as a teacher. And then, again, as, as we become at, at that level of our faith where we're ready to teach someone else, then, again, we, we know. And if, if you've ever taught somebody something, especially about the Bible or about faith, is you learn more as the teacher oftentimes than what they learn as, as the student. Right? So we are supposed to move forward in our faith. Jesus expects us to grow. 
only that, but, but we also see as Jesus is describing again this, this mission for the church, that, that also that the church needs to focus on discipleship and evangelism. Now, these are two big churchy words. So let me explain exactly what those mean, right? Discipleship, the process of discipleship is literally just the description of you growing in your faith as a follower of Jesus, right? This this journey of discipleship starts when you receive Christ as your savior, and then you start moving forward, becoming a deeper committed disciple. Now, again, in the, in the, 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 New Testament culture, right, is, is a disciple was their goal when they would um, take on, you know, under their teacher or their rabbi, their goal was to become exactly like their rabbi. And so again, that's our goal as a follower of Jesus. When he is our teacher, he is our Lord, he is our rabbi, that we then, as his disciple, will become exactly like him. Right? He is our example. We're going to talk more about that next week when we look at core value number one. Hey, but we, again, we move forward in our faith. We grow in our faith. We, our eyes are open. We become more like Christ tomorrow than we are today. That is the process of discipleship. Now, the word evangelism, again, is the fancy, churchy Christian word, right? To mean that we share who Jesus is with those that don't know him. Now, we all have people in our lives that don't know Jesus, right? That might be family members, extended family. It might be coworkers. It might be neighbors. It might be the guy that you meet up with on the golf course or that you run into at Walmart. Hey, but we all cross paths with people that don't know Jesus. And so none of us as disciples of Christ get a free pass on evangelism. Right now, a healthy church needs to focus on both of those, discipleship and evangelism. Right? And one of our goals as Oregon Trail and as Join the Journey of Our Vision and Mission is that we will be good at discipleship and at evangelism. It's just been my observation um, as I've looked through all the churches I've attended through my life and churches I've been on staff at and helped lead, as well as you know, it's other scene, is that churches tend to be good at one or the other. Right, some churches are really good at evangelism. Right? And they 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 get, you know, they these churches and we see it and we celebrate it, right? That these churches that again baptize hundreds of people a year. Right? Awesome. But I've also observed that those churches that are really good at evangelism are not always really very good at discipleship. Now, the, the opposite can also be true, right? There are some churches that are really good at caring for their people and their faith and they grow, but yet they they grow very deep, but they don't reach out. And as you see in the Great Commission, Jesus is describing that we will hopefully be good at both of discipleship and evangelism. And then the third thing I want to point out about the Great Commission this morning is the fact that we are not on this journey alone. Right? We are not on this journey alone. You see, again, how does Jesus end? He says, I am with you. Always, circle that word always on your outline. Because that's one of the lies of the enemy, right? Is that, no, you're, you're by yourself. God doesn't love you. God's not with you. You're going to face this without him. That's not true. That's a lie. Right? Jesus speaks truth. And he says, I am with you 
always. You are never alone. You're not on this journey alone. God is always with you. But not just God's Holy Spirit with you, but also, again, we as the church are here with you. Right? That no matter what we face, right, we have people around us in community right, with the same views, the same foundations of life right, of following Jesus. Some of you maybe know, maybe you don't, but even just a couple weeks ago, I was gone with Cameron, my, my youngest son, um, when, and a tradition that we've had in our family is when they turn 12 at their 12th birthday, I take them on a weekend-long man trip. We call it a man trip. Okay, now, when Claire gets there, Maureen will take her on her woman trip, but, um, so I'm done when it comes to those because I've done three of them now, right? But as a part of that, though, we go on this, and we, um, I have, I've gone through with all three of my boys as they are reaching puberty and starting their teenage years and all this stuff. We go through, we have the talk on that, on that trip and, and, and everything, but we go through this curriculum from family life, um, and, and, and part of it, as we go through it, the first lesson talks about the fact that they're starting this journey right, into the, the teenage years and, it's, you know, and everything. But one of the activities that they do in their workbook in that first lesson is they're supposed to list out people that they can trust, right, and people that are in their lives that they can come and they can ask honest questions to, right, or, or that, that they feel comfortable coming to with, with a struggle or a problem. And, and, just, and I remember, again, as I just went through it about a month ago with Cameron, and I remember back to even going through it with Curtis and with Colin, and, and I see, again, they, they were able to, to list several names right out pretty easily for them of, of this network of adults in their life right, that they trust and that they know they could turn to no matter what. Now, of course, we expect that, you know, my name's on the list and and Maureen's name's on the list, but, but yeah, going through, I remember, but there were also, there were several names from our church community that ended up on those lists, right? And I look at that, and I remember sitting there, and even as cameras filling out, I'm like, thank you, Lord, right, that we're not on this journey alone. You know, that if, if my kids struggle, that they don't, and they're afraid to come to dad, at least they have some other adults that I know love God and are going to point them towards Jesus that they can come to. Thank you so much, Lord, for that blessing. Right, and that's what the church is supposed to be. Right, is this community of believers, right, that, that we know we're never alone on the journey. Right, that's, that's an awesome, awesome truth to stand on. And yet, that's one of the biggest lies of the enemy that he tries to feed us all the time, right? Like, nobody struggles with what you struggle with. You're alone. It's, it's just you. And that's an absolute lies. Right? As, as, we, as we think about this, this spiritual journey, again, that Jesus calls us to, this mission, right, of, of discipleship and evangelism, and, and how are we going to grow forward in our faith? Again, as a church, why, what, have, what have we done to design you know, our programs and our mission as a congregation to help you move forward in your faith. Hey, well, here, I, I'm going to run, run through this kind of really probably quickly because none of us want to stay here. But again, I could talk about this for hours. Some of you guys know that, right? But, but first, the spiritual journey. We've identified these kind of five common growth steps within the spiritual journey. 
And we've designed what we do as a church around these steps to say, how do we help you move forward in your journey? The first off, the first one that we have identified is to just to attend. Now, again, this is just the idea of that you start attending, you come around. And again, whether, whether you're invited to church or you just find us because you move in the community, whatever it is, but you start attending and not just attending once, right, but kind of more consistently. And as you attend here, we hope that you will hear about Jesus even for the first time. And you will learn how to, to enter in a relationship, a saving relationship with him, and start that journey. Now, the, the, the biggest time that we see new people enter our church is on Sunday morning. And so we get designed everything we do right now in church service on a Sunday morning to where that if somebody who's never been to church before or doesn't know Jesus would be comfortable walking in here on a Sunday morning. Hey, we don't ask anything of you. You can come in, you sit, everything's done up front, right? And, and you can interact as much as you want to, or you can just sit back and watch. But we want them to attend and to feel God's presence when they're here. Right? And so, again, we just, we attend. That's the, the first step of the typical faith journey. And then as we, as we learn and start to open our eyes and, and, and dive deeper into who God is and his word through the sermons, through through the worship experiences, through the, the relationships that we hope that you build, right, within and being and just regularly attending, then the next step is to move into a small group or a class. And that's where we really grow. Small groups and classes is that next step, a program of where we hope you'll go. Because in, in small groups and in those discussions, in those classes like Financial Peace University that we're going to start here in a couple weeks, just in those classes and those groups is where, you know, we no longer sit in rows like we do on Sunday morning, but we typically sit in circles. Right? And, and the teaching is more interactive. Right? That, that not only is it a deeper level teaching on a certain topic or on a discussion or a Bible passage or a book, or you can see all of the different topics of our small groups, right? Not only is it deeper content teaching, but it's also deeper relationships because you get to know the people in your small group better and they get to know you, right? And, and we go the next, next level deeper in teaching and relationships, and as we continue to grow, we hope that, again, you move as Scripture leads us to be, right? As you grow in forward in that, that you become a, a firm disciple and even ready to be a teacher. And that's, again, the next step of the journey is to serve. To serve in a ministry. Again, this is where you can be, again, a ministry, and that's where you start to realize that anything I do can be a ministry. It's not just within you know, it's not just kids ministry or youth ministry or being a small group leader or being on the greeting team or serving in the sound booth, right? It's, those are all ministries, but, but also me coaching my kids' team can be a ministry. Just showing up at, at work with a positive attitude and shining Jesus' light, light into a dark place can, is a ministry, right? Even just making the checker smile at Walmart can be a ministry, Right? But I start to serve. And then the, as I continue to grow in my faith and, and find those places where God has made me to fit and to serve, then God leads me to, to continue to step up my game right, to where I start to lead. 
and this is where I might lead a ministry. I might take a, 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 a teacher role in the kids instead of just a helper role. Right, this is where I might facilitate and lead a small group instead of attend one. Right, this is where maybe I see a, a, a need in our community and say, Lord, do you need me to do something to make a difference in that area of our community? And, when God, and then God says, yes, and you're the leader. As you start something new. Right, this is a place, again, where ministry literally becomes every day part of your life, but you start to take more and more responsibility as God leads you to do that and gives you the margin in your life to do that. And then we move on from not just, not just attending, not just growing, not just serving and leading, but, but also then to where we do exactly what the Great Commission calls us to do, and that is to mentor. Again, to be a disciple that is making other disciples. Again, we can all be at that place in our faith. We all have something to offer someone who's not as far along in the journey as I am. Now, we um, here, you hear, hear talk about journey classes, and the, the idea of journey classes is that those spiritual growth classes are designed to be the bridge to the next growth step. So if you're, again, just attending regularly, that's why I say, and then, uh, again, if you call Oregon Trail your home church, meaning you're here consistently, then we want you to go to Journey Class 1. Okay, which, again, it literally explains a lot of this stuff and our statement of faith and just the, the foundations of our beliefs and, and kind of and gives you the overview of the whole vision and, and so that you can and dive deeper into this community, we hope. Right, and then the Journey Class 2 is, is, is a book called I Am a Church Member and talking about how do I... How do I truly integrate deeper into relationship and deeper into the mission of what God has called this church to? Right? How do I grow in my faith? And journey class three is, is help to help you start serving. And that's why it's, it's based on spiritual gifts and your personality profile and how has God wired you and where does he need you to grow and to serve in your faith? Because we're not all supposed to serve in kids' ministry. Right? We're not all supposed to be on the greeting team. We're not all supposed to you know, lead a small group. But, but he's gifted some people to do all of those roles. So that class is designed to help you figure that out of where do I fit? Not only where do I say yes to where I serve, but also where do I need to say no and not serve. Right? Then we move on to to, uh, to leading and, and where we are working through a, a deeper connection with Christ. And this is where we hope that your faith is a point where you are truly growing on your own. You're at a, at a spiritual maturity where you, you turn to different spiritual disciplines actively and daily in your life. And that's the journey class four is focused on spiritual disciplines and how you grow and walk with Christ on your own every day and reach a deeper intimate connection with God and learn to really hear his voice and really to grow deeper in your faith journey. And then journey class five is not just a one-time class, but it is more of an ongoing leadership development program that we're developing right, for those that are at that mentor level in their faith. So we see these, again, the journey classes are designed to be the bridge onto the next step. And, and the, the overall umbrella that goes over all of this is that we realize that we start out consuming. 
right, when we're attending and even when we're going to a small group, right, is that we're just, we're taking in the things of God, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's where we should be. We learn, and we, we and, you know, take it all in, and we consume. But as we grow in our faith, we not only consume, but we start to move to the place where we start to contribute. And just as I said, the more that we contribute, the more that we grow, and the more that, that God opens our eyes to new things. And, and, and the more I contribute, honestly, the more that I consume. Because I learn more through contributing as well as just attending. Right? And hopefully, again, as a mentor, I'm, I'm taking on somebody else and, and walking with them in their faith. And, you know, when I'm at that place, then I get to walk through all of those growth steps with them, too. And, and as I've watched them grow, it opens my eyes and my heart to all kinds of new things as well. And I start this ongoing cycle in my life of consuming and contributing, right, to where I continue to grow. And God shows me all kinds of new things every day. And I've reached this level of intimacy with Christ that, that few people really ever experience. And I, you know, I always joke, and even especially in class one when we go through it and explain all these, I always joke that journey class four is my favorite one. And, and I joke, I make a joke about it, but it's, it's really not a joke. I really, that really is my favorite one. And, and, and as I teach that class, because it's just so fun and amazing for me to watch people reach a level with Christ that they've never experienced before. And to see God's, whole, God's Holy Spirit, you know, speak to them. And, 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 and so many people in that class that have gone through it, and I encourage you to talk to some people that have been through class four. But every time I've taught it, I have seen God speak to people some, sometimes for the first time that they ever really heard God's voice. Right? And it's so fun to watch that happen for people. As, we, as well as when I teach it is that, again, I do all of the activities too. I never, I never ask somebody to do something I won't do myself. And every time I've taught it and every time I've gone through those disciplines, God said something new to me every time I've gone through it. And that's one of the other reasons why it's my favorite one. But as we look at this overall vision, right, then we have to, the natural question is, how does this practically play out in my life? You know, how, how does this look? I'm, I mean, obviously we see the church programs, right? We see what we do on Sunday morning in small groups and areas to serve and, and our companions and, and when our mentorship level and all those kinds of things. Like we, we have kind of those programs, but, but what does it look like every day? Hey, well, to answer that question, I want to go to the scriptures. Hey, we're going to look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 and verse 21. So again, it's on your, it's on your outline or you can open up your Bible with me to Romans chapter 12. Okay, but here in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and they're going to skip to the end in verse 21. Okay, where it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. And this is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing, and perfect. And don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Because we look at this passage, and, and, and I believe as I look at this, that this is the biblical definition of discipleship. 
If we look at the book of Romans, the, the whole first part of it, in fact, the first 11 chapters, is all, it's the gospel message. And the 10 and 11 is about how you receive Christ, right, and receive the Holy Spirit in your life. And then we start in from chapter 12 on about now how do I live out my faith every day as a disciple. Right? And this is the introduction to that section of the letter. Right? And as we look at these verses, it is these these verses define what biblical worship is. Notice that's what it says. It says that is the true way to worship. Again, because worship is another one of those Christian churchy words that we use and that's defined in all kinds of interesting ways. But here's the biblical definition of true worship. And, and Paul here in this passage gives us four things that define true biblical worship. The first one is this, is to fully surrender to God. I fully surrender to God. You notice in the passage, again, and I encourage you, again, underline it, circle it, right? The phrase, living and holy sacrifice. And notice he's, I mean, he says, I plead with you to give up your bodies for Christ as a living and holy sacrifice. Now, when we look at this phrase, living and holy sacrifice, okay, both of these, a living sacrifice and a holy sacrifice, these are both oxymorons. Okay, now, an oxymoron is a phrase, right, that is seemingly contradictory of itself, but yet is true. The okay, example of oxymoron is a jumbo shrimp. Okay, that's an oxymoron. These, a, a living sacrifice is an oxymoron because by definition, a sacrifice gets killed. Right? A sacrifice cannot be living. And the same is true, right? That a sacrifice, when it's given as described in scripture, is, is an earthly, right? It's an animal, right? Or it's, it's an earthly thing. And anything with an earthly thing is fallen. It is not holy. So we see, right, as Paul calls us to be a living and a holy sacrifice, these are oxymorons, and yet they are seemingly contradictory, but yet are true. How can those be true? Right, when the definition of a sacrifice is that it's killed, and anything that is of this world is not holy. These are only possible because of Jesus. Because what does Jesus do? Jesus breathes life into what is dead. And he redeems fallen things and makes them holy. Let me say that again. Jesus breathes life into things that are dead. And he redeems fallen things and makes them holy. Which means when Jesus enters our life, when we join the journey of faith, We are brought to life, and we are made holy by his Spirit. And it starts with fully surrendering to God. That's the first step of true worship. The second thing that he describes, right, is that we'll then be motivated by God's love. This is the why behind the what we do. Right, we will be motivated by God's love. Again, Paul lays it out right here. Why do we do this? Because of all he has done for you. Right? Underline that phrase. Circle it. 
in the passage. Why do we do it? Because God did it for me first. Right? Why do I love unbelievers? Well, because God loved me when I was an unbeliever. Right? Why do I, why do I serve other people when they don't deserve to be served? Well, because Jesus served me when I didn't deserve it. Right? I am motivated by God's love. And the truth is that God loves you so much, he sent his son to earth to die on a cross, knowing that we didn't ask for it or even care. But he still did it. And the heart of God is that we will find it and that we will learn to care. Right? And be transformed. Which is the next step, right? Of true biblical worship. And that is, I will let my, my thoughts and my actions be transformed. Again, I, dead things become alive, right? Fallen things become holy. And this one, it's, again, he describes here, first our actions, right? As he says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. That's the things that we do in our life, right? That is our actions. We all know the behavior and customs of this world, don't we? Right? And he says, don't copy that. Instead, copy what God does. And Jesus becomes our example. Right? But then also our thoughts. And he says, again, how, how are we able to not copy the behavior cups of this world? Well, it's by the renewing of your mind. By literally, through discipleship, that God will change the way you think. That he will open your eyes to the truth of the way the world really works. And how we're being deceived and the lies that we believe and, and all those things, right? He opens our eyes. Because he changes the way we think. Again, transformation, though, is a process. It is a part of the journey. It doesn't happen overnight. Again, we are not done transforming until we are face-to-face -face with Jesus when our faith journey is complete. And our heavenly journey begins. Again, I'm not done being transformed yet by God's Spirit. And neither are you. And then the fourth thing that he describes here is that we need to trust God's leading. Again, he says, underline the phrase, to learn to know God's will. Learn to know God's will. Part of the journey is learning to recognize God's voice. But then also a part of when you start to recognize and hear God's voice in your life, we also need to learn to trust it. To trust God's voice when you hear it. Because why can we trust it? Because God's will is good and pleasing and perfect. Again, I circle and star that phrase, right? Good and pleasing and perfect. That's God's will for you, and that's why we can trust it. Because now again, it's, the journey's not easy, right? That's never promised. It's not easy, but it is worth it. And I can trust it because it is good and pleasing and perfect. It's not easy, but it's worth it. Right? We see this, this biblical definition of discipleship, what, what true worship is. And if we really do this as individuals as well as a church, then evangelism will naturally happen because if we are truly living this way, we will be different and people will notice that we are different. Right? And when we focus on our own journey enough and we truly live these out, 
right, then evangelism will naturally happen because people will come to you and say, why didn't you get upset at that? How are you getting through this struggle the way you're getting through it? Right, in fact, that's exactly what Peter tells us in 1 Peter 3, 14 through 16. He says, but even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. And so don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. Again, we just saw what real worship is, didn't we? Instead, worship Christ as the Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Right? This is the biblical definition of evangelism. I don't have to go knock on people's doors. I don't have to throw Bibles at them. Right? I don't have to win a debate. Right? If I just truly worship God and be ready to explain the hope that I have when somebody asks. Right? That's the biblical definition of evangelism. And evangelism and discipleship will work together if we truly live out this mission where we will be a church that is good at both of them. Again, and as I look at this and, and see this, this, this foundation that I, that I hope we have as a church, right? as your pastor, I hope and dream that we will be a church that will be good at discipleship and good at evangelism, and we will see God's Spirit change people's lives as he changes mine. I can help change others. That is, we're all journeying together. We can stack hands and say, yep, yeah, we are united. We are going to be the picture of what Jesus prayed for in John 17. So what, what's going to unite us? Well, what unites us is our core values, and we're going to spend the next four weeks looking deep, dive deep into what our core values are and how they apply, and what's the biblical foundation for them. If you've never seen those before, I encourage you to look on the front of your bulletin. Okay, they've been there every week. Look on the wall in the foyer. They're there too. Hey, but our four core values, core value number one, is that Jesus Christ is the destination of our journey. Core value number two, that scripture is our foundation and a roadmap for our journey. Core value number three, all generations contribute to the journey. And core value number four, everyone is welcome on the journey. So we're going to spend the next weeks going through those. But as we look at this big picture of why does our church do what we do, my hope and prayer is that you will be motivated by God's love to fulfill the mission he's put all of us on as believers. Am I going to be a disciple that is helping to make disciples? Right, first off, am I going to be a disciple? Am I growing in my own faith? Right, and am I ready and willing to explain the hope that I have when someone asks? Because if I'm truly worshiping him, right, the people are going to notice my life's different. I hope I'm different than the world because the world is scared. The world is hopeless. The world is divided. And they're not even sure why. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to live life that way. But I know people that are. 
right? And I hope that my walk with Christ, right, that, and that my life and my demeanor, right, is different enough to say, man, how, how can I journey to you, Brian? Am I willing to explain it? Again, I hope that we as a church will rise to the challenge, even the challenge I've extended, right, that you will not go through this series by yourself. Who do you need to invite to listen with you? Right, who needs to hear these core values, right, and change the foundation of their life? Right, who needs to be here with you next Sunday? Who do you need to invite to your house to watch with you online? Right, who do you, or who are you going to invite to your watch party on Facebook? Who are we going to bring with us on this journey? Right, because my hope, prayer, and dream for Oregon Trail is that we are a church that is good at discipleship and evangelism. Here's my final thought today. And that is this, our goal is to move forward in our own journey and help others with their journey through discipleship and evangelism. So where are you at on your journey? Right, what is your next step? Again, I can't answer that question for you. I know where I'm at on mine. Right, where are you at on your journey? I hope you'll take that next step. Whether that step is, is praying and receiving Christ as your savior for the first time, right, committing to moving forward, right, or getting in a small group, Right, come into the next journey class, whatever. I don't know what your step is, but maybe it's just celebrating that, that this cycle is happening in your life, right? But take that step, whatever it is. Prayer, Lord, as we leave from church this morning, God, that you would use us. God, that we could truly be a living and a holy sacrifice for you. And God, I pray that as we go this week, Lord, that we would shine your light in this dark world. God, that through your spirit living in us, God, that we would be a catalyst in people's lives. Lord, to, to find you. God, that if, if they're lost, they'll be found. God, that if we feel dead, that we'll find life in you. God, that when we're fallen and impure, God, that you will make us holy. And God, that the world will see you through us, your church. God, help us to go this week to move forward in our own journey. God, and to help others find their journey. We love you. We thank you for saving us, for helping us be a part of your plan to save this world. And God, continue to work in our lives as we serve you with everything we have this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.